Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, we're glad you're here. And uh, yeah, so before we get started, I'll tell you what I would like to do. Just had this on my heart, like many of you guys, if you've been watching online. Uh, one of our pastors in the Assemblies of God, right up the road at James River, has been going through some health issues. And I just thought before we get started, is it okay if we just pray for Pastor John Lindell today? Let's just pray for him together. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, it is by your stripes that we're healed. And so, Lord, our voices in here join with the thousands of others across this nation and along with the church over there at James River. Lord, that you would touch Pastor John Lindell. God, he's been faithful to your service. And, Lord, you're no respecter of persons, but, Lord, I believe, Lord... Lord, that he's got a work that's still yet to be done and accomplished. So, Lord, we pray right now that you would touch him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Lord, we believe that what the Bible says is true, that it's by your stripes that we're healed. And so, Lord, in one unity to the other, Lord, our congregation joins with the ones around this uh, nation, Lord, and, and, and even other parts of the world that tune in to watch what they do. Lord, our lives at this church have been affected by that ministry. And so, Lord, we just want you to continue to touch and bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we started a new series, and, and so I, I want to dive into that, but I'll tell you what happened to me. And, and so it may seem a little off topic today, but I was listening to a song on the, um, my phone, and I, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. It just got in my spirit, so I put it on repeat. To the point where it was in my head, I came in the office singing it to I was the point I was annoying. Uh, <laughs> it's the David Crowder song uh, that we're going to sing at the very end of service today. Just so you know, it's coming. I'm not going to sing it, so you're going to be blessed by it. Someone else is totally going to sing it. Uh, but, but I'll tell you, there's a part in, in the song that just says, so many times I forget and have amnesia. And forget what you've done. And I just started getting in my spirit about how easy it is during this world, what's going on, during the times we live in, the year we just came out of, to forget that God is still a good God. And that God has done many great things for us. There's been a common theme throughout the service. If you didn't pay attention, we've sang about the goodness of God. We talk about if he's been faithful then, he'll be faithful now. We've been getting you ready to understand that we need to continue to proclaim that we serve a great and mighty God and not forget about all the good things that he's done for us. Amen? So in, if you're going to turn in your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 2. And uh, I just have a few verses I'm going to speak about today, but the book of the Judges is a history book of the nation of Israel, um, and it, it's after the death of uh, Joshua, the leader, uh, and we see repeated patterns throughout this book. We see a pattern where the people of God are very blessed by God. God gives them what they need, touches them, uh, you see them inherit blessing after blessing, and then there comes a time where they forget about the goodness and the blessings, and they get so caught up in living in the blessing that they don't give credit for the blessing, and to the point where there's a generation that rises up that doesn't even know God. We forget how good God really is. And, and, and if I could tell you if I had one fear today, this is it. I, I honestly and earnestly believe that we're probably one generation away from there being a generation that doesn't know God. Not the God we serve. That will even something. There was always gods out there. In fact, we find where the children of Israel turned to other gods during that time. They just didn't remember Jehovah. 
They didn't remember the real God, the true God. And so, so they found their own way until they got in trouble again. And then somebody dug up a book and says, hey, I remember this one God that grandma and grandpa used to worship. Maybe we should get back to that. They're like, hey, well, that's an idea. This isn't working for us. And so they would turn back to God. But they would go back to this cycle over and over and over again, which leads us today. And so I want to kind of lead off, and this is the title of my message, is why do we have selective amnesia? Why do we choose to remember certain things and forget other things? Why do we forget so easily all the great things that God has done for us that helps pro propel and continue this gospel? Judges chapter 6 and verse 7, it says this, After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them, and the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, and the leaders who outlived him, who, uh, who had seen the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. The very first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First generation faith experiences the goodness of God firsthand. My grandma had a first generation encounter with God. She saw God heal. She saw God deliver. She, got, she saw God set free. I believe, and honestly, I, I believe that I was on the tail end of a generation that had experienced God firsthand. I was very fortunate to work with, uh, uh, for a lot of people who in this room wouldn't even know the name, R.W. Schambach, but he was a, a great tent evangelist. And, uh, he, he was in East Texas, and as a high school uh, student, I got to go and work at his uh, facility and work at his prayer room, and then our church was just had, saw some awesome, amazing moves of God, and we, get the, we just saw just such a powerful move of God. It was just such an awesome thing. I saw people delivered. In fact, in, in my teenage years, I've talked about this before, where I was healed of asthma, and God touched my life, and, and where I couldn't breathe, and I was in the hospital and, and gasping for breath, and they'd go do these tests, and one day I, I came across, we were at a, a, a revival where a missionary was speaking, and he just said, I feel the presence of God. And after that, I, I, I didn't have asthma anymore. I can't explain how it works. All I can tell you is that after that moment, I was healed. There, there are things that we've seen and we've heard. And uh, I, I remember there's a generation that was before us that experienced God truly firsthand. There was a generation that didn't have to hear because they were seeing God's move Right on, and, and y'all remember that. If you had a grandmother like mine, you could go over there first thing in the morning, and they'd have their coffee or their, their, their drink, or in my case, my grandmother had a Coca-Cola. She believed in only in the, the glass bottle Coca-Colas, but she had her glass Coca-Cola with her Bible read out. She was reading her Bible and praying every morning. She was praying for all her grandkids. She was praying for her kids. And you know what? I'm a product of the prayers that she prayed. Many of you are the product of a first-generation faith where God moved and touched lives of people and saw lives really changed, and so they raised you up because they had such a fear of God and what God was doing. Some of you are lucky enough, like me, to have seen miraculous signs and wonders. Under Joshua, they experienced miracle after miracle. Listen to this. They saw the Jordan River dry up at flood season so that they could cross over. They saw the walls of Jericho fall flat. How do you not believe after you see something like that? They saw God fight against five kings of the Amorites and destroying them with a large hailstone. They saw the sun stand still for a full day. 
They saw their enemies subdued before them time and time again. They were the generation that experienced the power of God. And even though they had to go through hard times, even though it wasn't always easy, God constantly was bringing them out as they would trust and believe him because they let him lead everywhere they went. This was a first-generation faith. Man, I pray that God would move that way again. You know, we, we talk a lot about it, and many of us thought, thought we were in that moment for the last days, and, and, and we've seen a lot of things come and go, and so we know that in the last days, says the Lord, that I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh, and, and, and we experientially see signs and wonders in the last days, and, and, and we hadn't all seen that, but I believe that if ever there was a time for God to send out a revival across this nation and see people saved and, and, and use uh, great works, it's now. But the problem is, is that we are so close to not seeing anything and not hearing anything about God. We're, we're, we're on the prefaces of losing a generation. They were the generation that through the power of God conquered many things. Then you come in uh, verse 7 and you kind of rereading that the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen the great things and the Lord had done. The second generation is, is a little different. The second generation is a faith that's experience, that, that, that doesn't experience the, the goodness of God. I think I, it, it, I put it on there wrong. I, uh, it's the faith of God that, that hears about the goodness of God. They don't have an experience. They don't have an experience of their own, but they've heard about it. They've heard the testimonies about the experience of God. They've heard the great things that God had done. They, they have a great uh, vision. They heard from grandma and grandpa. They heard about these things. I'll tell you one thing I've always appreciated about Caleb is he's a note taker, and I, I heard of something this week that 98% of all note takers make it to heaven, so that's good. Um, so I hope you're taking notes today. Uh, but what I appreciate about Caleb is I can't tell you how many times I'd go over to Saunders' parents' house, and Caleb would be in a chair next to my father-in-law, Gerald, who was a preacher and evangelist for many years, and he'd just sit there asking questions, and he'd be taking notes. He said, Papa, tell me about this. And he would write it down. And he'd say, Papa, tell me about this. And Caleb would write it down. And he'd say, Papa, tell me more about this situation. And he'd write it down because he wanted to gain the experience before it was gone. Tell you what, now that Gerald's up in heaven, those notes are more valuable than they ever meant at that moment, even though they were pretty powerful in that moment. But that generation's gone. It's hard because, see, a first-generation faith is the generation that, that allowed you to have these pews. The first generation is the one who trusted God to build out in the middle of a, of a pasture and, and put a church. The first generation faith is the one who began to, met above, to meet above a pawn shop uh, because God called them here. The first generation faith that every time you come up here, they're the ones that tears you're, sta you're standing on because they are tear stains that have been ingrained in this carpet. <laughs> and we haven't changed the carpet in a few years, so it's still there. <laughs> I don't think we've shampooed it in a while either, but... When you come up here to pray, you're literally standing on the tears and the prayers of a previous generation that trusted God and prayed for your presence to be here today. You were prayed for before you ever walked through these doors. You're like, well, I'm not related to anybody. They were praying that this whole area would come to know Jesus and that they would come to find that God is real and they would come into this place, out of this. And, and let's be honest, nobody drove by here today and said, let's try this church. You heard about it. You heard that God was moving out there at Harrison Faith, and you thought, we got to try that church. So you, you drove out 
against past everything else. You drove past Walmart. You drove past Taco Bell. You drove past Walgreens. You drove past City Hall. You drove all the way out here, and you're like, oh, here's where it is. You're here because people prayed for you to be here. It's first-generation faith. In the second generation, you heard. This is a generation that heard about all the great works that God has done. See, you get to reap the benefits of the sacrifice of the previous generation. You're reaping the blessings of those prayers, and you're reaping the blessings of those who had cried and weeped for you, for that grandma, that mama, who, who, who literally just went in their closet and prayed for you for hours and believed that while you were out with your friends, because see, back then, we didn't have Find My Friends, <laughs> We didn't have the 360 app that could trace you and how fast you were going all the time. You know what we had? We had praying mamas that would find us and make us feel bad and guilty if we ever did anything wrong. That's what we found. And, and not only that, but when we came home and nobody was home, we thought the rapture took place. Because <laughs> my mama didn't carry a cell phone for me to call. And when you called to her work and they said she'd been gone for hours, you're like, dear God, I missed it. That's what you call grandma. <laughs> Grandma's home, we're good. <laughs> grandma doesn't pick up, we better pray, although it's too late, <laughs> you know? You know why we laugh? You know why there's so much laughter? Because we remember those times. We lived those times. Our heartbeat would pant. <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought I had everything right. We were so nervous. Uh, in fact, when I was growing up, everything was a sin. So really just living was a sin back then. I, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like a girl. That's sin. Um, <laughs> it was just everything. Don't think about anything. Uh, it, it was just such, a, just an atmosphere that we had a fear of God, but we had heard about what God could do. We heard that he was a good God who loved us, who wanted his best for us, that he wanted us to live above the curse, that he wanted us to be blessed, that he didn't want us. Now, this is not talking about a prosperity gospel. We're not doing that today. I'm talking about God loves you so much that he gave. And if that wasn't enough, your salvation wasn't enough, he paid for your healing with stripes upon his back. I mean, my salvation would have been enough. I could have lived in my sickness if I just knew that I had an eternity to look for, but he paid for so much more than that. He paid for my healing. And then he, his plans for me, they're good and not evil. He wants me to have a hope and an expected end. That's what God wants for me. He desires his best. And so many times we forget. We get in the midst of all the problems and all the situations, and we get overwhelmed by life, and we just think, God, where are you? And God's like, I'm always where I would be. If you would just remember, and you would just take time to pause today and look back just to a year ago, you'll remember where I was faithful when you prayed for your kids. I was faithful when you prayed for your grandma. I was faithful when you were in debt and you didn't know how you were going to make it. I was faithful when you were depressed and didn't know how you were going to see your way out and just thought about dying every day and wanted to sit in the covers. I was faithful. I brought you all this way so I could bring you what's next. Don't give up yet. You're almost at the finish line. Keep going. Keep going. Don't get amnesia in the moment. Don't forget what God's done in the moment. God's got more for you. You're closer than you think if you just don't give up. Don't give up in the moment. Don't give up. You're so close to what God has for you in this moment. It's so easy to just get discouraged. You can turn on something. You can read something that discourages you. But God is, if you just take time. You know what the problem is, is that we don't like being still. It's a noisy life we live in. But what would happen if you would just be still and know that he's God? 
Be still, because sometimes he doesn't move with the thunder and the clouds. He doesn't move with the earthquake. He doesn't move with the fire of the whirlwind. You know what he moves with? With a still, small voice. And it whispers. And if you just get quiet enough and you just pay attention long enough, you can hear. But you got to get past the clutter. You got to find a way to hear, you got to find a way to listen. You see, they had saw the stones piled up that were brought out of the Jordan River because they had heard. They had heard the stories of the miracles of the river, how it stopped flowing until the fathers were safely across. They had saw the ruins of Jericho. They literally walked by and said, I heard the story about this. This is where, where, where they walked around for seven days. And on the seventh day, they walked seven times. And on the seventh time around, they blew trumpets. And these walls fell down. And they won the battle of Jericho. I remember hearing the stories about this as they would pass by on their road trip. They heard these stories. They heard about the power of God. And they knew that it could be real for them. You see, they grew up under the blessing paid for by a previous generation. They were dwelling in the safety of a building they did not build. They were tending the fruit of vineyards that they did not have to fight for. And they were enjoying the abundant riches that their fathers had taken for them. We are in danger of enjoying too much. That's why we get in danger of having a consumer gospel. Because we didn't see it, but we sure enjoy it. You can't be consumers only. This is not a spectator thing. In fact, being a follower of Christ is who I am. You know, I, I, I remember when I was first, the first time I ran for uh, city council, when I was in town, and uh, I was at a debate, and they said, um, you know, we, why, we don't need to bring religion into politics. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm just bringing who I am. This is just who I am. My faith is not separated from my politics. It's who I am. I'm a follower of Christ, and it affects the way I vote. It affects the things that I do. And there were times where things came to the council where they wanted me to vote for a certain way, and they, they, they didn't. They were friends. They were buddies. But I couldn't. Why? Because, because just because they felt like it was all right in the moment, it wasn't all right to my faith. I was a believer, and that's who I am. See, being a part of this group is not about attendance and feeling guilty or feeling good about yourself when you leave. It's about who you are as a believer. It's who you are. It means when you go home, you still serve him, and you're reading, and you're praying, and you're seeking him. It means when you come, the reason why we ask everybody to try to be a part of a live group, because we want you growing in your faith. We want you growing in who, you, who Christ is in your life. It means more than just coming and saying, man, I love our church's worship. So it's great. Man, I, I like hearing Pastor Brian speak, man. He, he's, uh, I really like the way he, he does things. He does it different, whatever. Uh, that's great, but it's not about that. It's about living who I am every day, in and out, being who I am, and serving it. It's about having a faith that can't be wavered. The problem is, is when we don't have a first-generation faith, all we're going off the testimonies, it's easy to lose sight of why we do what we do. It's easy to lose the reason behind why we serve God. Because we didn't pay a price for it. And here's the problem. Verse 10 of Judges chapter 2. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. See, the third generation is a faithless generation with no experience or knowledge 
of the goodness of God. Somehow during all the material prosperity and all the things that they had and all the things they were blessed with uh, and success caused them, their, their parents, not to tell the next generation what had happened. You see, their parents experienced it, but they didn't experience it. They didn't share it. You know what they said? They said, yeah, I grew up in church, but my parents drug me to church. I'm not doing my kids that way, so they stayed at home. Not being ugly. Come on. I mean, this is... I just brought up that you're going to be encouraging today. I really want to be. I just want you to understand that, that, that it's about sharing the generation. We're going to lose a generation if we don't raise it. It's about making sure that generation comes up and gets into discipleship programs. Yes. It's why is JBQ important? JBQ is important because it puts the word of God in them and, and they get to understand and hear the scripture and learn it and put it in their hearts that they might not sin against God. Why is it so important that we ask our kids to come to Wednesday night uh, ministries and get discipled? Because we want the word of God to be in them because we're going to lose this generation if we decide that Wednesdays are optional. See, there's so much a part of our church that just seems to become optional that all of a sudden we don't, we don't do much. We just do the minimal and call it good. In fact, we need to do more than come when we, just when we serve. The children who were raised next didn't hear about the Red Sea. They didn't hear that God, what God had done for Moses in Egypt. And they didn't hear the stories about Joshua and the sun standing still. Their, their, their fathers had, had not kept the commandments to offer God to God the sacrifices and the firstborn males. And so therefore, the children didn't ask them, what are you doing? And they couldn't tell them all the great things that God had done because they asked the right question. How do you know this? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this in verse 20. In the future, your children will ask you, what's the meaning of these laws, these decrees, these regulations that the Lord has commanded us to obey? And then you must tell them, son, you don't know this, but one time we were in Pharaoh's house and we were slaves. We had no hope. But God sent a deliverer. And we watched him do mighty thing after mighty thing after mighty thing. And that's why we're here today. If it says, well, we were slaves in Pharaoh, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hands. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before the eyes, terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought uh, us out of Egypt so that he could give us this land. He had sworn to our ancestors. And the Lord God commanded us, to do all these decrees to fear him so that we can continue to bless, to, to bless us and, and, and preserve our lives and all that he's done to this day. You see, the, there was a purpose behind doing it. In fact, the purpose behind Joshua piling up the stones had been for this. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, when he said this, he says, We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future so that your children will ask you, what does this mean? And then you will tell them, and they will remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant was, went across. And these stones were, uh, will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Somehow, in the middle of their prosperity, they forgot to keep the commands of the Lord. And so, so therefore, their kids didn't have any questions to ask. You know, the Bible talks about in the last days having a form of godliness, but denying the power of. So many times, it's so easy for us to get caught up in keeping some things. 
Well, we don't watch that on TV. Well, why not? We don't like listening to the customers. We don't want you guys. Well, why not? But we don't believe in teaching them the prefaces and, teach, and bringing them to the, uh, 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 the church and letting them learn about what the word of God says about it and why we don't do certain things and why we live a certain lifestyle and why certain things are okay for others but not okay for us. In fact, sometimes we forget in the middle of all of our religious righteousness that the word of God was written for believers. It was written for the non-believer to get saved, but all the laws were written for believers, not for non-believers. We get more caught up in trying to keep non-believers held accountable for something they don't believe in than just obeying what we're supposed to be doing. Instead of just doing what we're supposed to be doing, what we're called to do. And because of this, a generation arose up in verse 11 and verse 13, it says the Israelites did evil in the side, in the Lord's side, and served the images of Baal. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal in the images of Ashworth. When we forget to talk about, and when we forget to prepare the next generation for what we truly believe, what happens? We tend, to, we, we tend to have a tendency to go and worship the gods around us. Why is it easier to worship the gods around us and keep those? Because it feeds our flesh. Everything about the gods of that time were, were about feeding the flesh and about doing things that they wanted to do and just offering it to do and live in any very cursed way and do evil in the sight of the Lord, which feeds our flesh. We've got a generation that is worshiping things that they have no idea they're worshiping. Their time is being taken up by things and activities and, and, and that are not necessarily bad, but they're definitely diluting what they believe as what we believe. And so we excuse it. We say it's not that bad. I believe that God wants us to remember. I believe that God wants us to testify. I wish some of the people in here would remember what God has done for them in the past. Because there's a generation in here that wants to do so much great things in this world. And that God wants to use, but they need to hear what God has done in your life. We need to do more than just sing songs that are uplifting. We need to sing songs like they mean something. When we sing about the faithfulness of God, I want my mind to begin to run through all the things that God has been faithful with. If he's been faithful then, God, I remember when you were faithful then. And God, you're going to be faithful now. God, right now in the middle of this situation, because I know you were faithful there when you saved my marriage. I know you were faithful there when you healed my, my, my wife. I know that you were faithful there when you restored and, and delivered of drug addiction and, and all the things that we're going through. I know that when you were faithful there, you're going to be faithful with the next thing. God, how can I give up on you yet? And something, your kids will watch that, and your teenagers will watch that, and they'll get uplifted and encouraged and say, Mom and Dad's got a faith like that. Maybe one day I can see something like that. Because something I, I want to do, I don't want to just hear about it. There's something about when I was a kid, when I saw watched football, immediately I wanted to go outside and play football. <laughs> In my mind, I could do whatever they could do. When I watched wrestling, I know. <laughs> I believed I could do what they could do. 
And so I would get out there with my brother, we would wrestle, we'd play football, because there was something that was encouraging, got excited. I believe there's something in the, the people that are rising up today that if we would live out what we believe, they would say, if they can do that, I can do that. If they can make it, I can make it. If they can see a miracle, I can see a miracle. If they can see their friends saved, I can see my friends saved. There's something so powerful. I believe that, that God is still a God that moves in signs and wonders. I think the problem is us. So how can we keep from losing the next generation through selective amnesia? We've got to make sure that we start remembering and testifying about the goodness of God. We've got to keep it before us. We've got to keep relationships with God. We've got to keep looking forward each day about what God's going to do next. The prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, the the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are faithful. Listen, we got to remember about the faithful God. We have to continue to tell the next generation. We have to continue to tell them what the Lord has done and encourage them that God has a plan for their life and the plan is for good and not evil to give them hope and an expected end. That though things may look bleak in the moment, that there's still a hope that's beyond this world. Don't give up. Don't stop chasing. Don't stop working. Keep enduring. Some of us need to build up our own faith this morning. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. That one song we sang, man, that said that, that, that I'm going to speak to my fear and I'm going to preach to my doubt. Listen, I've had to do that. I've had to do that driving down through a car, uh, in the car. I have had to do that on the way to the hospital where I didn't know what I was about to come into, but I had to say, Lord, help me to believe, God. Lord, I want to believe. Lord, help them to be all right. Lord, I want to believe, but Lord, I heard how bad it is, but Lord, I'm trusting you that you're going to endure and that you're going to touch them and they're going to be okay. Lord, I'm believing this. The Hebrew writer says this in Hebrews 2.1, so we must listen very carefully. To the Lord we have heard, or we might drift away from it. My prayer is that we would not drift away from it. But we would listen to the voice of the Lord and what he has for us today. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm asking for, I kind of want this as a rallying cry for today. I want you to stand up and, and, and we're going to sing this song. And by we, I'm going to sing down there with my mic off and they're going to sing up here making it sound a lot better. <laughs> but I want you to get these words. It's Good God Almighty by David Crowder. And as we sing it, I know it's not a typical worship song, but there's something powerful about the lyrics in this. If you'll read it and get in your spirit, God's going to do something. And then I want you to spend today in this beautiful sunshine getting and remembering and doing what God wants you to do. I want you to remember the goodness of God throughout the day. And then tonight, I want you to come back at 6 o'clock. Tonight, we're having a worship night. And I want you to come pumped up, ready. I don't want nobody to have to cheerlead you up. I don't want anybody to pump you up. I don't want you to have to get caught up in the moment after the third song you start worshiping. From the very get-go, I want you to walk in here so encouraged that God is faithful, that God is good, and that when we sing songs, 
that we begin to sing them in our spirit. And tonight, I believe that God is going to do something amazing tonight, that the Spirit of God is going to be in this place, and that when you leave this place, you're going to be ready for Monday. You're going to be so ready for Monday, you can't wait to get there because God is a good God who cares deeply for you and your family and the next generation, that God cares about you this morning. God wants to do something in your life and in your family and in this church. Don't miss the opportunity because of fear. Don't miss the opportunity because you're getting too busy. Make sure you find yourself place. Listen, don't, 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 don't avoid things that God is trying to do in your life and then get mad that everything didn't work out. Don't skip out when you have an opportunity to come to this house and then get mad when they shut the house down. Isn't it amazing the people that were griping about COVID shutting the church down, but they didn't even, couldn't even come on Sunday morning or Sunday night half the time? But they sure had an opinion about what everybody else is doing. Don't be them. Be the person ready to come, ready to celebrate, ready to worship, ready to see what God's doing, because God has you in mind today. This is your day.